The His Girl Friday podcast is brought to you in part by Messenger Fellowship, living the kingdom, fulfilling the call, proclaiming the truth. How's it going, everyone? This is Cameron Fry with His Girl Friday. Coming at you on Holy Saturday. Hope you guys are having a wonderful Easter weekend so far. This pod is going to be on the shorter variety. We're just going to jump right into Mark 14 today. Uh, there's a lot I could say, but there's just so much going on right now. Uh, I don't want to get lost in context, not relative to the content at hand. So that's why we're just going to plow straight ahead. Uh, as you guys know, this is my fourth year. Uh, I believe I started the podcast in 2018. So this is the fourth Easter uh, that the His Girl Friday podcast has been active for. And, you know, by now each year I choose a different angle, a different facet of the Easter story, focus on it and uh, deliver fresh content, an Easter message of sorts. Not a sermon, but I, I try to find a part of the Easter story that's not popular or not common. I know that there's not a single stone out there left unturned. I mean, there's nothing new under the sun when it comes to Easter messages, um, there's just a lot of different uh, parts to focus on in the story, uh, but I certainly believe in fresh takes, and I believe that uh, this take uh, is one of them, and that's why the day before I intend to write my Easter post for the year, you know, I'm, I'm definitely in quiet time mode with respect to Okay, Lord, what is it that you want to reveal to my heart today? What do you want to show me and show your people this year? And so, and one of the ways he does that, it's like just read it and determine and discern the pain points. What's uncomfortable to you? What's a part of the Easter story that you tend to mentally fast forward through as you read it? And I found that point to be the part where Peter denies Jesus. I'm like, okay, well, I'm interested now. I mean, I... This is clearly a part that, you know, one of my least favorite parts of the Easter story. Um, and it's okay to be curious as to why. It's okay to probe that curiosity. So that's what I ended up doing. And so after a couple minutes of digesting the part where Jesus prophesies the denial, well, there's... Let me back up. There's the initial uh, prophecy of the sheep scattering in Zechariah 13.7, if I remember correctly. Peter's specific denial isn't prophesied, I don't believe, but you could say that that's a subset. That's an extension of the Zechariah prophecy. Uh, but you have the, you know, in Mark 14, there's the part where they're having the Passover meal, the Last Supper, and... Jesus has already announced that one of them will betray him. And Peter's, you know, probably on the defensive, knowing him. Um, I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. I'm not going to be who you aren't to you, Lord. And But Jesus very lovingly, just with grace already on his lips, even before the offense happens. It's like, no, Peter, you're actually going to deny me. Uh, sorry to say. And this was nothing new to Jesus. I mean, he saw it coming. He wasn't upset. We don't get the impression of an angry, resentful Jesus in the passage in the part where he tells Peter, yes, you're going to 
deny me. He's foretelling it. It's just before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And, you know, Peter's very emphatic. If I must die with you, I will not deny you. Verse 31, and that's classic Peter. You got to love him, right? In between the foretelling of Peter's denial and the actual denial, we have Jesus praying Gethsemane. And I have paused here before. Um, I've talked about Pilate washing his hands, why that's significant. I've talked about the significance of the torn veil and the significance of the rock splitting. Um, but it's interesting that the, the denial, the prophecy, and the actual occurrence, um, they bookend this moment of Jesus praying Gethsemane. And as I was reading, and, you know, there's Jesus interacting with the disciples, but there's a lot of personal interaction with Peter in Mark 14 in the story. Uh, and... It, you know, Peter was found sleeping. He was not on active watch. You know, he was supposed to be praying with Jesus. Um, Jesus actually gave that directive, sit here while I pray. Um, he didn't say sleep here while I pray. My, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch. Uh, they did not watch. <laughs> um, and Jesus having this profound uh, discussion, dialogue with the Lord, you know, the Son of Man having, you know, wrestling through his... Uh, Humanity, really. Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but you, what you will. Your will be done. <laughs> and right after that, it's like, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? He singles Peter out. I'm sure others were called out, but in the story, Peter is called out. And one must wonder, you know, um, just how this plays into the overall narrative, you know. He was like, Peter, you should be watching and praying that you may not enter temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And I think that was part of the message, the messaging that Jesus was trying to communicate to Peter. You, your spirit is good. <laughs> That's not the problem. We have to work on the flesh part of you. And it's not like Jesus was dependent on Peter, but Jesus knew that having his disciples there with him was only going to help anchor the emotional processing of one of the most climactic and critical moments in the history of the world, <laughs> really, when you think about it. So the Garden Gethsemane, the Gethsemane portion of the Easter story can't be underrated. Um, but a lot of times we, we, we read Peter's denial and we, we kind of lock it into the moment. And the, the ramifications outside the moment is, is kind of where I want to go today. So, there, you know, again, I'll, I'll reference the passages, and you could read them. Uh, the, the foretelling of the denials, uh, Mark 14, 26-31, and the actual time, you know, when Peter's actually denying Jesus, it's 66-72. through 72. Those are the verses in play. Alright. So, okay. It is a hard scene to process. You know, Peter the Rock cracking under pressure here the cross set before his master a sliver in the back of peter's mind never would he fall astray never would he run away that was the mindset of peter that was him or rather that was going to be and jesus had that in mind the peter that he knew the peter who was maturing and growing but also the peter that was to come long after he ascended to ascend the throne of the Father. And again, referencing the Zechariah 7 prophecy, before the shepherd could be battered, the sheep of the flock would soon be scattered, disciples included. Peter, the center of that action. Here, it's hard to, it's hard to watch, hard to read, 
the spider cringes though, we must appreciate the sequence of what's really going on. Jesus, the ultimate shepherd, grooming his under-shepherd, Peter, through a defining moment of weakness. Again, that prophecy, centuries in the making. Now, an emerging hallmark of humility for the early church to thrive on. That's kind of what I was alluding to earlier. The early church is, is not detached from this story. And there we have Peter, the rock, the man in the middle, the, the epitome of moniker, though something far greater. You see, the rock was not just a designated nickname that Jesus gave Peter, but the proof of Christ's identity realized. Flashback to Mark 8.29. That's why I'm, I'm camping on the Mark version of the story. One could say the greatest insight received by man ever came in Mark 28.29 when Peter the Rock confessed Jesus as cornerstone, the son of the living God. Still as keen as this inspiration was, the symmetry of it could not have occurred without an epic fail. For before Jesus could sleep on his call to keep active watch at Gethsemane, he had to first confront and fall to a fear of abandonment. Without this fear, that weakness, that humanity, Peter's resolve could not have been tested. He needed to be tested in this moment. Somewhat of a paradox, too, because we, one must wonder if a less distracted Peter would have met more fervent prayer. He's more active. He's doing what Jesus called him to do. And maybe he's distracted from putting himself in positions to deny him. You know, now there's the betrayal, the rest of Jesus. I mean, there's um, Jesus before counsel. There's time for Peter to wonder. So maybe he could have denied still, even if he had been praying. But you have to think about the spiritual posturing, just how... Um, Maybe disciples could have kept that upper room mentality. Now that was to come, but still, you know, um, you know, Jesus got arrested, but maybe they could have relocated and they could have kept that up. There was something more than just that hour in Gethsemane where Jesus was like, okay, it's not, Jesus had a very much a, a mindset. It's not about me. It's about my father's will. And we need to be a united community here. Um, we cannot be united when <laughs> um, I'm, by myself, everyone else is asleep and not being on guard with me. Jesus was aware of the temptation in his midst. And he also cared not just about himself being tempted, but his disciples being tempted. So, Jesus was definitely encouraging Peter to do the right thing, even though I know you're not exactly going to, you know, I know what's coming. But that's the beauty of Jesus' perfect love in this passage. For Jesus knew a humbling of Peter ahead of his death was necessary to calibrate his boasting to the power he rightfully appropriated back in Mark 8, 29. G Peter nailed it. He was the, the apostle who was willing to say it. There was not an ounce of doubt in his mind. He was willing to put it to words, and he absolutely nailed it. The, you know, <laughs> the spirit within him, um, the deep crying out to deep it. It's a beautiful passage, and yet uh, Jesus knew that there was some more humbling that needed to happen. Peter's like, you know, a scar of his, him being a coward, basically. 
And we can all identify with Peter. We have all denied Jesus. We have all been cowards. We have all backed out, yielded to fear of man. We've, you know, a lot of times we needed to say something. We didn't say it. We went the other way. But, but going back to Peter, no matter how much he confessed his devotion, even to the point of death, he, you know, he had to first wrestle with the fragility of his hope before he could shepherd a flock with more mature, with a more mature version of that hope. Again, how incredible is it to consider Jesus, the weight of the world on his shoulders, was working all this for good before the good could be known and shared. Brilliant. You know, and as for us, you know, no matter how long we've walked with God, we've all denied Jesus at one point, and while we have the Holy Spirit to act as our rooster in those times, let's not take for granted the mystery of reconciliation in those instances. The sting of sin may prick our hearts, but in a way, that's why Jesus came to die in the first place, to not only liberate us from captivity, but awaken and sharpen us to higher faith. Accordingly, as we enter into God's gates with praise... This Easter weekend, some of us are already doing that. Let's remember our denials, may they become trials intended for glory. You may feel discouraged about your shortcomings, but this doesn't mean you have to bask in them. Rather, repent and receive God's grace afresh and new. After all, Christ didn't take the nails to deliver us from disappointment, but to free us into intimacy through the growing pains of life. That's where Peter was and where he spent some time afterwards. He wept. He was an emotional hot mess. And wouldn't we be in that situation? But that's really you know, the, key, the key takeaway here. May our denials become trials intended for glory. Jesus knew even as he was about to die, he, had, he knew what was coming. The early church, we find in Acts. He knew what Peter was becoming. He, he, he was aware of his calling and how this was going to be imperative for him. Uh, it was going to be a key scar, kind of preserving and anchoring his humility as he became the first human shepherd, really, in the church era in the in the AD era <laughs> right um, hence the, that rock moniker but yeah anyway that's all I mean that's there's, there's more to it and I just wanted to at least um, share this I'm not even at the 15 minute mark and that's fine I wanted this to be short in fact the post is under 500 words and I think you know part of that's intentional I don't need this to be a long one um, although there's certainly another 500 words I could easily Turn out respect to this, um, but maybe you have a some fresh perspective of your own to add to the story. If so, we'd love to hear from you. Feel free to comment on our website and the blog post. Uh, you know, again, we're on SoundCloud, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Spotify, you name it. There's plenty of um, ways to engage. Just Messenger on Facebook if you have that. Whatever, we'd love to hear from you. And even if it's not related to this post, just how we can pray for you this Easter weekend. And um, may his resurrected life be a hallmark of the short term for you. This this time period that we're in, no matter what you have going on, no matter what might be weighing you down, what might be plaguing you, um, that there will be 
life in abundance that is resurrected. There's there's some life in abundance at the surface that some of us are engaged with right now, and that's great. There's other things that are buried in the ground um, that you're just praying, Lord, revive um, again, and just may His goodness, His sovereignty, um, may the fruit of righteousness and holiness just be what um, is revived. If if nothing else, may you be more like Jesus as we see reflected in, this, in these Easter stories. Be a part of what's refreshed and renewed and reset in you as you begin again, really. Tomorrow is a day to begin again and next week is a week to begin again. Next month is a month to begin again. And just remember what Christ came to do and remember that there's a way. He is, you know, <laughs> Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And that's, what, that's not a one-time thing. That's not something that uh, was lost 2,000 years ago as it happened. But it's something that is perpetual reality. Uh, where there's a way, he makes a way. But he's also the way. <laughs> and that's part of the catch uh, that we are to receive uh, into our daily mist. So... Hopefully that makes sense. Um, as always, you guys are amazing and appreciate you guys. Um, there's plenty who listen to this. I, I haven't had the privilege of meeting yet. I look forward to that day. But until then, just know you got this. You know, God has your back. We got your forward. Or may, rather, we got your back. God has your forward. And uh, all points in between. As I always say, I will catch you on the fry. Have an awesome rest of the Easter weekend. Peace.